Muscle Music presents a nervous system revolution for artists. Brought to you by Ruby Rose Fox. This podcast is for artists who struggle with their nervous systems. They might struggle from stage fright, depression, anxiety, perfectionism, so many things. If you are one of these people, you are not alone. While I want to validate that yes, actually according to a study by the Record Union, 73% of musicians report being depressed or having experienced anxiety. But I am here to dispel the tortured artist paradigm. This paradigm that in order to make our best work, we need to be mentally unwell, uh, or we need to have a dysregulated nervous system to just create the most sort of edgy, um, Picasso, Van Gogh-like work. And that could not be further from the truth. In fact, what we need to do is to harness our nervous system, which is actually the canvas of everything we do. It is the canvas of our lives and it's also the canvas of our art. To neglect your nervous system is like always investing in paint while your canvas is literally deteriorating before your eyes. I was not taught this in school or in college or in one-on-one training. This is a brand new field of practice. And when I say new, I mean new, new. One of the major uh, science-based modules I use to work with my clients on uh, the certification program or one-on-one coaching is something called polyvagal theory, which very simply just put the freeze response on the on the ladder. So uh, this is not like super nerdy brain science. This is really simple nervous system state stuff, but it's new. Therapists are just starting to be trained in this. And so many therapists still don't know. So I want you to think about how far we still have to come in the performing arts to catch up nervous system pedagogy up to 2023 in terms of neuroscience. Theater programs specifically, music programs also tend to be based when it comes to performance in 1960s style gestalt programming. So this is like this idea that you have a natural voice in your body that if you just free enough, I mean, think about like the hippie movement. If you're just free and open enough, this authentic, beautiful expression is going to come pouring out of you. And unfortunately, what we know now is that that can often be really destructive, especially for people who have trauma, which is a huge part of the population. So I am really excited to offer some new ideas about either how we can rethink that programming, redesign it, bring it up to date through a trauma-informed lens, or also think of new ways to train. I want to talk to you about artists and trauma, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about my own story. Last week, I got the flu. I'm still recovering. If you can't hear it in my voice a little bit, 
And I thought of the most clear analogy for trauma that I've ever been able to think of. So I want to share it with you because it really highlights how artists specifically get in trouble. The ways that we get in trouble is that we're often way too over-trusting. So artists with trauma can end up getting in art cults. Um, and they can also end up getting really hurt uh, by people that may not have their best interest in mind. And at the very same time, these same people tend to be very defensive, uh, dysregulated. So we also, as artists with trauma, push people away that can help us. And so we're constantly realizing that either the door was way too open or it was way too shut. And it's almost like this feeling of vertigo because we don't know what's up and what's down. Our meter for moving forward or our spiritual GPS feels off. So I want to talk to you about why. When an animal is sick or injured in the wild, its behavior immediately changes. So I want to tell you a story about uh, Rocky, this baby squirrel that we came across this summer. Rocky had just been attacked by a little cat and it, the cat had punctured it and it was wounded. And immediately it started crawling up my partner's leg. It was immediately not acting like most squirrels do and it was trusting us without knowing whether we were dangerous or not. Also, as it trusted us, every once in a while, it would just flip and turn very defensive and kind of snap at us and uh, kind of huddle away in a corner. Or it would come up to us and want to cuddle and snuggle and be held and be taken care of. So I want you to think about that when we carry trauma, trauma in Greek means wound. We carry a psychological, emotional wound, and that wound makes us either, again, really defensive or too open. And in the world of the arts, this is just a really uh, unsafe position to be in, which is why learning about boundaries, nervous system dysregulation, uh, dopamine imbalance, uh, all of the things we learn about in muscle music are so vital and important to keeping a performer in any uh, sort of healthy way on stage and off. So before I tell you my story, I want to talk to you about why it's so hard to tell stories about our trauma. Imagine the story of you like a piece of glass. And when trauma happens, it's like someone takes a hammer and smashes that glass into a thousand pieces. And you have like this piece over here, this memory over here, this feeling over here, this sensation in your body over here. You are literally split in a million pieces. And a lot of trauma recovery is putting those pieces back together. So I just want to say that every time I tell my own story, it never feels true because of this non-linear way in which our brains piece together trauma back into a whole. 
which of course can be healing. But I just want to say, if it's hard for you to tell your story, if it's weird and disjointed, that is normal. And I hope by giving you some background on myself, that it will empower you to tell your story more often. So I want to start uh, probably around 2018. I had been performing for about 15 years. Um, I had many music awards. I had some songs on rock band. I had a eight piece band. I was thriving. I was playing museums. I was touring nationally. I was making records. I really felt unstoppable in so many ways. It was also really hard and I had a lot of nervous system dysregulation underneath a very high functioning, high performing person. There was a lot of dysregulation underneath the service. In fact, as I started to heal, I really wondered if I would ever have a new set point of the safe and social state. So from the outside, it was like, wow, Ruby's really doing well. But if you looked a little bit deeper, I was really struggling to just maintain a normal nervous system. Um, I didn't drink, but I did smoke cigarettes. And I also uh, just really coped through being stressed out. Being stressed out was how I kind of got through everything. It was like this hyper adrenaline fueled life that I actually really loved, but also caused a lot of trouble. And it wasn't until about 2018 that I did a one woman show uh, through Harvard's theater and I found myself flat out on my back. I mean, I was frozen, frozen. I didn't want to eat food. I didn't want to drink water. Um, I remember sitting at the kitchen table, just staring at a avocado being like, what is this? I was totally shut down. And I remember calling my sister and I was like, Jen, I don't understand why anyone would ever want to perform like ever. Why would anyone want to do something as stupid as performing? And she said to me, wow, Ruby, it sounds like you might be a little bit burnt out. And that just felt so like insulting to what I was going through. What I was going through felt so much more severe than just like a little quip of burnout. And that is when I came across polyvagal theory. Uh, a fan of my band, uh, who's a social worker, brought it to me. Uh, and at the time I was working with, uh, women on their voices with trauma. And I was kind of telling her the methodologies I was using. And she said, wow, that really sounds like polyvagal theory. And I thought polyvagal, what, uh, what is that? And she said, it's the science of safety, the science of safety. And my whole body just, just lit up around those words. I, I felt like whatever the science of safety is, I wanted it so bad. I needed it. And when I came across polyvagal theory, my mind exploded a thousand times because it answered things about performance I didn't ever think could be answered. Things like the word energy in acting training, 
was finally sort of nailed down in a science-based method of uh, learning. But to make a long story short, what I realized was that I was in a physiological freeze. And also, it wasn't my fault. My body had chosen a nervous system state for me. So I want to take this opportunity to tell you about neuroception. Neuroception is this idea that your body has this almost imaginary security guard that's scanning the outside world, it's scanning your brain, and it's scanning your whole body, mostly for pain, to find uh, cues of safety and danger in your environment. And it decides for you half a second faster than thought what nervous system state you should be in. So when I realized that my neuroception was putting me in freeze, it was such a relief because I knew I realized that it wasn't a moral failing. To me, being a hard worker was just such a deep value. And if I wasn't working, then I felt like I wasn't myself. And this really helped put a framework on this to really accept where I was and where I needed to go in terms of healing. So that brought a huge journey. I mean, the next couple years of my life were so transformative as I started to see this invisible boogeyman that had been hidden to me. I mean, I am a trained professional uh, straight and theater actor. I have tons of vocal training and I've never once heard anything about my nervous system. And this being unshamed was just absolutely revolutionary because I finally had language. It was like I was mute and then I could finally talk about what was happening. And it, it's been the most beautiful gift of my life. Now, this is not my only mental health or nervous system story, but it is the one that finally launched me into this work. A lot of times when people sign up for my program, they say, like, I liked it, I thought it was cool, but it wasn't until I found myself flat out on my back suffering that I finally took the time to learn about what was happening underneath the hood. So I want to go back in time and tell you some more stories. My name is Ruby Rose Fox, but it wasn't always Ruby Rose Fox. I took my grandmother's name. Um, and my grandmother uh, was a really interesting woman. When I changed my name, my mom said, you can't change your name to Ruby Rose Fox because that's a porn name. And then I said, but it's grandma's name. So it's, it's happening. And the reason I was so adamant about it is because I was standing at her funeral in Queens and there was a bunch of Yiddish women just twittering about behind me about how Ruby was on Broadway. And I had just graduated from acting school. And they said that she was fabulous and she was a poet. And I just, I was like, I didn't know, no one told me. No one told me that my own grandmother was an artist because my parents are engineers. So I was like, how did this happen? And the reason that I didn't know is because Ruby was in a state-run mental institution 
diagnosed with bipolar and schizophrenia uh, since she was in her 30s, all the way to her death. This was because the government had built massive facilities to fill and they needed to fill their quota. This is totally something that anyone now, um, it's 2024, uh, could absolutely live with. And I realized that if I walked away from her funeral, that no one would ever say her name again. So I took this on earlier in my career in order to give a name, meaning, and power that it didn't have in life. And I also knew I would do something with that name. I also just want to say that a lot of people with family trauma have big uh, initiation rites that they actually create themselves. So what I didn't tell you was I actually changed my name twice in high school. And then again, when I changed it to Ruby Rose Fox, when you don't have uh, parents who are completely there to support you and see you and, and take you through the stages of adult develop into adult development, you sort of have to create that for yourself. So I just want to say, if you have a stage name, um, it is totally normal, especially for artists with trauma, to kind of be creating your own, you know, what Joseph Campbell would say, hero's journey for yourself. And finally, I want to tell you one more story. There are war stories from all fields, from musical theater to opera, that I hear every single day about abusive teachers and practices that are very much not trauma-informed. This is the story that made me leave theater and enter music. So I was auditioning for a Shakespearean role with a local Boston company, and I was so excited about it. Um, and I got a call back for the lead. And I was so new uh, out of school that getting a call back for a lead in Boston was a really big deal for me. So my body was excited. And as we're doing a scene with the reader, um, the reader decided to do some stage combat uh, with me without letting me know. He took my hands and sort of shoved me to the ground. Um, and my sort of papers flew out of my hands and it was so out of the blue that I panicked. I uh, The air left my body and he shoved me to my knees. So. Um, I just basically, he knocked the wind out of me and the auditioners, uh, I think believed that it was stage combat. So they didn't know really anything was wrong until I froze. I, I didn't say anything. I was just in shock and, uh, I, I just, I couldn't figure out what to say because it was just so awful and, I went into a freeze response, which means I couldn't speak. And I remember hearing the words, thank you, which in theater language means you're all done, we're all set, I don't need to see anymore. And one of the details I didn't mention is that one of my mentors at the time was in the room. And 
when I let her know what happened, um, I remember sort of shaking and sweating and uh, crying all the way home. I locked myself in my room. I didn't tell any of my roommates. I just felt so ashamed of what had happened. And I just, I worked up the gusto to send an email to my mentor to say, listen, what happened was not stage combat. It was unplanned violence. And you should know that this actor needs training and support because this can't happen again. And the response I got was really bad. It was basically a complete denial of my experience and that I was way overreacting. And this was really hard because this was a person that I really loved and trusted and also a feminist and someone that I really believed would have my back. Um, and the thing is, is, oh, and by the way, this person also, of course, got the role. Um, so what I'm here to talk to you about is nervous system literacy. Because had I the nervous system education from Emerson College, which I didn't have, or really from any of my trainings up to that point, I would have been able to navigate that and ask for repair in the ways that were necessary and advocate for myself. And instead, I just lived with pain and trauma. And what happened was, because I didn't have this language, suddenly I just didn't want to do acting anymore. I was just disinterested. I just didn't love it anymore. And what I didn't realize was that was not my personal disinterest. That was trauma. And that had I had the proper help, I could have continued my field, which I invested so much money and time into. I'm really grateful that I was able to remake an entire career and have an incredible musical career. But I will never forget that moment and I will never um, forget that my university did not have training. But what you do need to know is that this training did not get disseminated to therapists until 2018, generally and widely. Of course, the research was there, but it wasn't widely disseminated. So that is why I'm here. I want to speed up the process to get our neuroscience and our nervous system work up to date to 2024 and get it in the hands of music teachers, acting teachers, comedy teachers, people that can bring this to students and even themselves and make sure that this kind of trauma does not happen to the next generation. Because with the right tools, you are not relegated to burnout. You are not relegated to leaving a career. You can stick with it. You can process it. You have the language. Language is such an important part of empowerment in a human being. We have to have language. So having words like fight or flight, freeze, co-regulation, neuroception, the safe and social state, the super play state, 
dopamine imbalance. These things are need to be at the tip of your tongue when you're talking about how you feel in any artistic space. So I want to talk to you about what I do um, and what I want to do with this podcast. I am Ruby Rose Fox. I own Muscle Music, and it is a certification program for people who want to learn deeply about their nervous systems. It's also a nervous system gym, so we have an app with artists all over the country regulating their nervous systems together. And we also have classes, so you can take all the cart classes as well. If you want to take our six week certification program, uh, please apply to a scholarship on my Instagram. We are doing amazing work and I can't tell you how beautiful and transformative and revolutionary this is and how it's impacting people's lives. So jump in with us. I can't wait till our next cohort. Our next cohort actually starts uh, March 11th uh, and I can't wait. This podcast is here to talk to other artists, to uh, bring you some of the information that we learn on muscle music through the art of storytelling and conversation, to bring you a brand new way of looking at performing, a new way of being on stage, a new way of getting over stage fright, a new way of processing dysregulation in your body and new ways to be an artist in this world, not the way that I was taught. I want you to know deep within your bones that your nervous system is your canvas and you are going to do everything possible to protect it above all else. This means that all gigs, all auditions, they come second to your nervous system. Your nervous system is number one and it's a really hard paradigm switch under capitalism that makes us override it all the time. So thank you for listening, and I hope you join us on Muscle Music for this nervous system revolution that is just beginning in the arts. I am so excited for the next 10 years of arts education because I think some real transformative work is going down. I'll see you there.